You're listening to Irish Radio Canada's Home and Abroad and we're hearing the experiences that some of the people in Ireland are what they're experiencing during this period of COVID-19, particularly around now, which is Easter time, where it would be a time where people come together for Easter celebrations, both family and church and vacation. And it's having a serious impact on on everybody's life. Uh, People are having to adapt differently. And I'm uh, about to have a chat here with Dermot Ronaldson. And Dermot is in Dublin. Uh, we're going to hear from some people today from around the country, Athlone, County Clare uh, and uh, County Waterford and get some different experiences. Dermot, first of all, thanks a million for coming along for a chat. Well, it's a real pleasure, Austin. Yeah, thanks so um, from a, a professional perspective, what community would you be interacting with normally on your day-to-day life before this ever happened? Okay, so I suppose I wear two hats really, Austin. Uh, I'm a psychotherapist in private practice, and I also work with the probation service uh, in a community context, working with what are termed high-risk offenders, people who have serious addiction issues and who end up in the criminal justice system. So those are the two main areas that that I've been working in. Yeah, And in both areas you're dealing with the highly vulnerable and highly marginalised members of our society. Well, certainly uh, with the work I do uh, for the probation service, yes, that would be true. The other work, no, not really. Just people who, you know, ordinary people with mental health issues, difficulties, life issues. And Um, I use the term vulnerable in their situation because... Well, certainly vulnerable, absolutely, yes. Yeah. 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 While while they may have a roof over their head and they may have food on the table, their vulnerabilities are different. That's correct. Yeah. 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 So how is this impacting how you interact with your clients and how your clients are coping? Well, up to three weeks ago, three and a half weeks ago, I was working... In, in in an office in the city centre of Dublin. Uh, I was meeting clients of probation service on a daily basis. I was interacting with them, uh, advocating for them with various services, addiction services, the courts, um, accommodation, which, uh, as you probably know, has been a huge issue. Uh, in Ireland for the last few years and particularly for the most marginalised who I would be working with almost 90% of my clients will be living in hostel accommodation or some of them are living rough so they're used to living in chaotic uh, situation suddenly we're we're in this COVID-19 scenario where you know we're we're being told by by our employers that we're not to have groups in our building, so we think okay, and we're we're practicing our social distancing, but we're we're working with you know um, a client population that you know in a lot of cases are quite affected by various substances, um, so they're not that great, and their health wouldn't be good either, and their their health practices and their social distancing mightn't be up to scratch. So the decision was made that we wouldn't be seeing them in the building, but that we would be connecting with them over the telephone. Um, at the best of times, that can be problematic because people lose phones or cell phones or, you know, it, it, <laughs> it poses challenges. But 
I've been trying to keep in touch. I have a list of clients. I'm phoning them. I'm phoning services that they attend, uh, checking up on them, seeing are they getting their methadone maintenance, are they still in their accommodation, trying to get their accommodation to get them to call me to see if there's any sort of stuff we can do. I have one client who has serious mental health issues, and he requires um, he requires a monthly injection to keep him on a sort of a stable situation. So he, he had gone two weeks without this, which is the sort of the outer limit. Um, so I had to do an awful lot of phoning around, um, pulling in favors and that. But we managed to get that sorted out. So it, it's a lot more challenging. Um, I'm not having that sort of face-to-face contact, which is so important for 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 trust and for building relationship and, you know, for just kind of gauging where people are really at. Mm-hmm. Um, the people I have been talking to are kind of going, yeah, virus, what virus are, you know, we've been living with, you know, chaos and difficulty for years. Gather like Dublin City is like a ghost town, like a lot of cities across the world. Um, and for the, for the homeless, um, a lot of them, most of them now, most of the hostels have gone what we call 24 hours, so they're not just there overnight. They've, they've got 24-hour accommodation, so they can stay in the building. But, you know, managing social distancing with a very mentally and physically vulnerable population is, is quite challenging. So, yeah. Um, I don't know if that answers your question. Indeed, indeed. but uh, when you say it that way as well, a lot of services um, are provided to people that are particularly the homeless and those that are uh-huh. in hospital, where you have people going around providing them with food or yeah. social services on, a, I won't quite say a random basis, but you have a lot of volunteers who would be out there. That's true. That yeah. all has had to be put on hold. So, um, to, to a certain extent, I mean, um, I was talking with, uh, there's an organization called Safety Net, mm-hmm. which is set up to help uh, marginal, marginalized people with drug issues uh, who are homeless and who aren't in the system. And th- they could be sort of non-nationals or just people who've dropped out of the system. And it's a, it's a GP, a nurse, and uh, a number of um, assistants who, on a daily basis, meet people drug screen them, give them their methadone, look after their physical needs. So that's still running. And the doctor who runs that is a guy called Dr. Osno Carroll. And he's been tasked by the HSE to to look after pretty much anybody in that type of vulnerable situation in the city of Dublin. So his hands are full. But that service is still running. Methadone services are still running. But a lot of the voluntary stuff, you're quite right, has... has um, has dried up, yeah. Well, because people are staying safe and staying at home. Yeah. And um, the other aspect would be that you know you and I have a roof over our head, thank God. Um, yeah. The homeless, when it comes to getting up in the morning and how you spend your day, that also must you must be hearing that that's becoming a real challenge. Because I was listening to yeah. um, something on RT where one guy was saying that you know. You can't just go and get a cup of coffee anymore. You can't just, you know, all these things just don't exist that's in the way that they used to. 
and you go out along the streets and um, as you say downtown Dublin is like a ghost town um, mm. so from a mental health perspective those who have mental health issues that in a way had been able to keep some sense of reality because there was a world around about them that must be even a greater challenge now I, I think you're absolutely right you know um, I think a lot of the places that we're providing support uh, uh, and places for people to go mm -hmm. um, it, it is putting people under pressure but I will say that the HSE have been responding really well across the board mm -hmm. you know? um, I can't really speak to that in detail but mm -hmm. that's, that's my impression that there are a number of community organisations um and the HSC direct organisations like the um, National Drug Treatment Centre on Pier Street and its satellites. So they, they're, they're the methadone clinics uh, in Dublin. They're up and running. Um, the, the, they're, the, the various homeless organisations, uh, Simon, DePaul Trust, um, they're, they're, their teams are working. You know, they're having to stagger things they're having to work in a very different way but it's a different landscape yes so Dermot given that we know this is not going to end tomorrow you know in some situations we are better able to manage long term again those of us who have a roof over our head and have mm. family support have a variety of other things but long term how do you envisage the impact of this on the vulnerable community well uh, anecdotally and I haven't seen this but I've been talking to a couple of colleagues look drug dealing is going on as it ever did mm -hmm. um, um, I spoke to a client who I know is very very vulnerable the other day and he was very very affected um, as in he was seriously under the weather and he his intake of of substances has gone through the roof right um so you know that that's got to have implications for physical health mental health and to some extent um public safety mm -hmm. but there's not a lot of public around at the moment mm -hmm. um which which also puts people under pressure people who have been committing crime to to feed their drug habits that, you know, they're, they're going to be a bit more desperate. It would make sense that people would go to any length, you know, to 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 feed their habit, you know. And then from purely a personal perspective, your ability to stay in touch with family and... Yeah. Because we're, we're all having to keep distance. As you well, this is it. My mother is uh, 87, and uh, this time... Uh, 18 months ago she had a dislocated hip and it got very complicated and she was in the hospital but thankfully she's been at home since last November and she's been pretty much cocooning mm -hmm. <laughs> but we've all been kind of supporting her uh, we had a rota going myself and my siblings I had to take a two week uh, break from that because my daughter had come back from New York and she had a lot of symptoms so we just erred on, on the safe side. So it's only in the last week that I've been going to visit her and my sister and my brother have been visiting her. So 
yeah, it, it's there's a lot of uh, trying to get her to work out FaceTime and WhatsApp video calls. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, there there are challenges, and you know, it 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 feels strange. It it, it you know, I, I just noticed that um, I'm grand a lot of the time when I'm when I'm keeping busy and I'm doing things, but if uh, if I allow if I watch too much news, it just sort of comes in on top of me and. Uh, I, I've just decided that I'm not doing. I keep regular exercise, eat eat regularly, go to go to bed early, you know, just uh, keep regular habits and stay in touch with my family and friends. You know, reach out to people who I think might be vulnerable. I have a, a, an elderly couple in their 80s who are friends of mine who are at home recovering from COVID-19. Okay. Um, she was uh, she was a at home uh, cancer patient she, she was on um, oral chemotherapy and she con- contracted it and um, she had to go into isolation in a hospital and then her husband so the two of them were in but they're now at home and they're recovering and they're doing really well so there is good news out there it's not like a total death sentence right. if you're if you're you know over 60 or 70 you know Good place for us to wrap up, keeping an eye on time. Dermot, I want to thank you for taking the time. It's been great having a chat and catching up and yeah. hearing how things are um, in and around the metropolis, the, the, what would be the hot spot and the danger zone within Dublin because it is the large population. Yeah. Thanks a million for taking the time. Thank you very much, Austin. It's a pleasure.